0: Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we come before you to bless your name. Lord, you are the one who gives us life. You give us life through the forgiveness of sins. Teach us, Lord, what it means to live in forgiveness today. Teach us today about the power of forgiveness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would give us ears today to hear this message, And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would also give us hearts to receive this message, as this can be a difficult message to hear. Teach us what it means to pray, forgive us our sins, and teach us what it means to forgive the sins of others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been learning about the Lord's Prayer. Studying the Lord's Prayer, going through each petition of the Lord's Prayer. This week we come to that part of the Lord's Prayer where we pray, Forgive us our trespasses, trespass being a synonym for sin, or forgive us our sin as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. This is a hard one to pray. It's a hard one to pray. Especially when we honestly pray to forgive others. There is something within us that that resists forgiving the person who has sinned against us, who has trespassed against us, who has hurt us, or who has harmed us. But we need to remember that forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is powerful. You know that it's powerful when when God forgives you. You have experienced that reality in your life. God forgave you. All of your sins are forgiven. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ because your sins have been forgiven. They have been washed away and you have been given the grace of Jesus Christ. So forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is powerful when we're forgiven by God. And forgiveness is powerful when we're forgiven by others. Have you had that experience in your life where you have offended somebody else and they have forgiven you? They have demonstrated the grace and the love of God towards you and forgiving you? So forgiveness is powerful when we're forgiven by God. It's powerful when we receive the forgiveness of others. And forgiveness is powerful also when we let go. And when we give to God those things which have hurt us and those who have hurt us. So forgiveness is powerful when we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness is powerful because it heals. Forgiveness heals. It heals relationships. It heals your relationship with God. Therefore, it heals your soul. It heals relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, or with family members or coworkers. Forgiveness is powerful because it brings healing. It brings healing. And I really think that this is something that we need not only in the church, but also within society as a whole. I feel that we're living in a very angry and unforgiving and ungracious culture. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed that you may be healed. So forgiveness is powerful because it is healing. It heals the soul. It heals the heart. It even heals the mind. And I believe that unforgiveness even infects us in such a way that that it, it, it infects our bodies too. That those who harbor unforgiveness, it will begin to affect them in such a way that it ruins the life every aspect of life forgiveness is powerful because we need to be healed so when we when we consider forgiveness we also need to consider sin sin there has been a sin that has been committed, a sin that I have committed against God, which, which needs to be forgiven so that my relationship with God can be restored. But, but there is also forgiveness towards other people, which is either a sin that's been committed against me by another person or a sin that's been committed by me towards another person. So it's either something that, that is a wrong that has been done towards me or a wrong that I have done towards another person. And when that relationship is restored, there is healing. So we can say that sin can be compared to a deadly disease. A deadly disease that needs to be healed. So that our relationship with God can be healed and our relationships with others can be healed. So sin can be compared to a disease... I've been a relatively healthy person my whole life, but I can't imagine living with the symptoms of some terrible disease and never knowing what the problem is or what the solution to my problem is. And I believe that's the way many people are living. They're living with this thing called sin and unforgiveness, and they're wondering, what is the matter with society, what is the matter with my life? What's the matter with my relationships? Why don't I have any spiritual peace? And they haven't come to know that the problem is sin and the solution is forgiveness. So can you imagine living with the symptoms of some terrible disease and never having someone tell you what the, what the problem is and, and what the cure is? This is the way many people live. They live with the disease of sin. And it has never been to reveal reveal to them what the problem is. What is the root problem? What is the thing that is destroying them? And what is the solution to the problem? So God's word, the Bible, diagnoses the problem for us. When we open the pages of the Bible, we come to understand that the problem is sin. Sin, which has destroyed our relationship with God, and sin, which ruins our relationships with other people. The Bible says, for all have sinned, all have sinned, and have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. One hymn writer wrote it this way, speaking of sin. Prone to wander, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave, to leave the God I love. How many of you identify with that part of that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. The Bible diagnoses the problem. We are a broken people. We have been broken by the infection of sin. A disease that ruins our relationship with God and ruins our relationships with others. So the Bible diagnoses the problem, but the Bible also provides the cure. It provides the cure. So there is a cure for this horrific disease. There is a cure for this disease which infects all of humanity. The Bible reveals Jesus, Jesus, as the cure. It's not a program, it's not a list of rules and regulations. The cure is Jesus, God's one and only Son, who entered into this world 2,000 years ago. He is the cure for the disease Of sin which infects all of humanity so the cure is jesus his life his death and his resurrection all that he accomplished in his earthly ministry is the cure for sin and jesus has provided us the church us who are god's children with the message of forgiveness, which is the cure. So Jesus is the cure. He has given to us, the church, the message of Jesus, who is the cure. And the message of Jesus, which is the cure, is the message of forgiveness. The message of forgiveness. So we proclaim to the world, Jesus, and the forgiveness of sins through faith in him alone. This is why the world needs the church. The world needs the church because the church proclaims the cure. And the cure is Jesus. And through faith in him, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Our relationship with him is healed. And that through that, through that healing that we've received from God, then we can offer that forgiveness to to those who have offended us and to those who have hurt us in this life. So you cannot be healed of the disease of sin until jesus until jesus enters into your life and gives to you as a free gift the forgiveness of your sins and this is a forgiveness that is freely given it is freely given the medicine that heals our bodies costs us something Have you ever been to the hospital and had to have surgery? And have you ever received the bill which saved your life? It costs a lot, doesn't it? It's expensive. But Jesus, Jesus comes to you and he cures you. And it is a free gift of his grace. A free gift to all who believe. Most people think that they have to earn God's forgiveness, and I understand this because this is the way our relationships with each other work, right? If you behave in a certain way, if you behave in a way that offends me, then eventually, um, you know, I'm just not going to want to have a relationship with you anymore, right? Now have you ever considered this before? If you want a promotion in your job, what do you have to do? You have to, you have to behave and you have to perform. You have to live up to some sort of a standard. And if you, if you meet these requirements, then you can receive the promotion. Um, if, you, if you just keep the minimal standards of what your job requires, then you get to keep your job. So so we work in this this sort of system where I have to behave in a certain way in order for me to be accepted or to be promoted within society. But Jesus says, no, you you come to me as a sinner and I give this gift to you freely. It is apart from from your performance. Your performance doesn't count. All that counts is Jesus and what Jesus has provided for you freely. So many people believe that they In order to to receive forgiveness, they they need to live a decent life and do good things to others. And then if if you live a decent enough life or do enough good towards others, then God will award you with forgiveness. So we call this works-based religion. A religion that's based upon works. But the scriptures teach us that you can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn it. This is a forgiveness that's freely given and which heals for eternity. This is a gift of God's grace. So have you received this gift? Have you received it? Are you still trying to work your way into God's favor? You can't work your way into God's favor. Simply receive the gift. Believe the good news and receive it and know that you are Forgiven. There is a cure. The cure is Jesus and the salvation that he freely gives apart from the law. The cure comes to us by grace through faith in Jesus. And then this is is the the kind of thing that that, that affects us in such a way when we receive this grace or when we receive this forgiveness, it's something that, that then affects us in such a way that we want to give it away to others. We want other people to know the same forgiveness. So this is why we pray. Forgive us. Forgive us our trespasses, God, because I want my relationship with you to be right But this is also why after receiving such an amazing gift, such an incredible gift, we say also, as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus declares for us and he desires for us to live in this forgiveness. He declares the forgiveness to us and then he desires for us to live in this forgiveness and to give this forgiveness away. So, Jesus gave us the prayer. This is the real sinner's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or we could pray it this way forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So, we can compare sin to a disease, we can also compare sin to a debt. So it's like a disease, but it's also like a debt. Sin as debt, sin as disease, a disease that is healed by forgiveness and a debt that is canceled, a debt that is canceled by Jesus. In the Bible, there are a lot of synonyms for sin, but the Bible uses the term debt. Really, it's a debt that we cannot pay a debt that is forgiven by our Heavenly Father. And this brings us to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. This is our gospel reading for today. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as Seven times? You see, Peter thinks he's being really generous. If my brother comes and sins against me uh, seven times, shall I forgive him seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or it can be translated 70 times seven. Uh, Really, the, the, the number, the large number doesn't matter there. It is the grace that we are to demonstrate towards other people, which is a reflection of the grace given to us by God. In other words, we we are to never, ever stop forgiving. So Jesus decided that he would give them a parable. Therefore, he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So here you have a king, and and many of his servants owe him money. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is an astronomical amount of money. It is just an unbelievable amount of money. It is actually an amount of money that, that no man would be able to pay even if he were to work for a hundred years, he would never be able to pay this money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, begging him or imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. So here we have a broken man, a man broken by the astronomical debt that he owed. He didn't want to be sold into servitude or to be thrown into the debtor's prison. So verse 27, and here is the grace of our Savior. Here is the grace of God. Verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This is unbelievable. All that money, all that debt, forgiven. So th- this is a picture of you and God. Sin is, is, is a debt, and, and the debt that we owe is astronomical, but God has said this to you I forgive you. I forgive you. Now you can just get a little glimpse of of the healing power of forgiveness. God has forgiven you. Story doesn't end there though. Verse 28, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now 100 denarii was, was a manageable amount to pay back. This was an amount that somebody actually could work and uh, pay back. So here we have, compared to the 10,000 talents, here we have just just a a, a small amount of money, 100 denarii. So here he sees the servant who owed him 100 denarii, very small compared to the 10,000 talents that he had owed his master. And this man, in seizing him, he began to choke him. Had this servant been, a, been affected by the grace of his master? Obviously not. Forgiveness had been declared, but he obviously did not understand the ramifications or the importance of the life-changing um, thing that it was supposed to do in his life. So he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Now, this is something he could have paid him back. This is a manageable amount of money. But this other servant, who had been forgiven the 10,000 talents, refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. But his fellow servants saw what had taken place, And they were distressed, they were appalled. So they went back to the master and they reported to their master all that had taken place. And his master called him back in. Here's this man that had owed this incredible amount of money, indebted just an astronomical amount, 10,000 talents. His master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. This parable gives flesh to the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive others when they sin against me? Are you kidding me? This is hard stuff, not easy. This is when theology moves from the theoretical to the brass tacks of everyday life. I am called by the one who forgave me to forgive those who sin against me. And more than just once or twice, but again and again and again. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I will forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I understand Peter's hesitancy to forgive more than seven times. See, we're a people of justice and of righteousness. When I'm when someone does wrong to me, I want justice to be served. I want justice to be served. So it's difficult for me to forgive the one who has offended me. And I want to cover some misconceptions regarding what it means to forgive others. This might help you in in your journey with God to forgive other people. Forgiving others is not saying to the person who sinned against you that what you did is okay. Some people say that, well, if I forgive them, then I'm basically saying that what you did is okay. Sometimes people, people who need forgiveness need to experience the consequences of the wrong things that they've done. Sometimes people need to serve time in prison for the wrong that they did against another person. We face consequences for our past sins. So saying that I forgive you doesn't mean that the person who you're forgiving uh, does not face consequences for what they do. Some, Some horrific things have been done against people, terrible things. So to forgive them doesn't mean you just let them off scot free but it doesn't mean that you're releasing it to God saying i no longer hold this animosity in my heart towards this person who has sinned against me. So forgiving is not saying that what you did is okay. Forgiving others doesn't mean that you're required to associate with the person who wronged you. Sometimes the best thing to do is to separate yourself from an abusive person. Forgive somebody who has been abusive to you doesn't mean that you associate with the person. So forgiving isn't saying what you did is okay, and it doesn't mean that I'm always going to associate with the person who has wronged you. And forgiving others is not forgetting the wrong. It's being changed through the process of forgiveness. We are not people who can forget We just can't do it. So forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. And sometimes it would be dumb to forget. The remembering brings wisdom so that you don't succumb to the same abuse again. So it's not saying what you did is okay. It's not saying I need to hang around with you all the time. And it's uh, not saying that I'm going to forget about it because you can't forget about it. Forgiving is to release, to release the offense into God's hands. Say, God, this isn't isn't mine to carry. I cannot carry this. So I give it to you. I give it to you. Forgive them, Lord, and I forgive them. Let God deal with it. The Bible says that vengeance belongs to God, that God will execute judgment over the sinner. John Piper says, the key to forgiving the offender is this. The key is how important and how satisfying to us is the fact that Jesus knows that you have been hurt. Did you know that Jesus knows you're hurt? He knows your pain. He knows how difficult that it is. He knows all things. He knows that you've been hurt. That Jesus understands and that Jesus attends to you That he feels with you. That he is a merciful high priest. Is that enough for you? To know that Jesus cares and that Jesus can handle it? So we fix our eyes on Jesus. We take our eyes off of the offender. We no longer allow the offender, the abuser, to consume us. we fix our eyes on Jesus taking our eyes off of the offense so that you can heal so that you can recover so that you can have peace in your heart from the hurtful and painful thing that has been done to you forgiveness is powerful forgiveness is powerful when we are forgiven by God Forgiveness is powerful when another forgives us. And forgiveness is powerful when we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I don't take this lightly. It's a very deep and disturbing thing for people who have been hurt. I've met people, I've talked with people that have been hurt and abused in ways that are just unbelievable. So I may not be able to understand or to identify with you in the way that you have been abused in your life. But Jesus does. But Jesus does. And he's able to work in that and to bring healing to that. The key is Jesus. The key is Jesus. The key is how important and how satisfied to you is the fact that Jesus knows that you've been hurt. That he understands, that he attends to you, that he feels with you, and that he is a merciful high priest. So there is a cure that heals sin and sin's effect in our lives. Healing for sins committed against us and healing for our sins that have hurt others. There is a cure. This is the good news today. There is a cure. The cure isn't found in sweeping the sin under the rug or pretending that the sin wasn't destructive towards us or towards others or pretending that the way others hurt us wasn't really all that bad. It's not about sweeping it under the rug. It's about taking it to Jesus in prayer. Jesus says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now listen to this truth regarding Jesus when they hurled their insults at Jesus how did he react First Peter says he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You'll never be free from sin. You'll never be healed of the malady of sin until Jesus enters in, until Jesus brings the healing that you need. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you. I pray for this congregation now. I pray for those sitting in the pews here today who have been hurt, hurt by sin, I pray, Lord, that they would release it to you, that they would give it to you. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would experience the healing that can come only in and through you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.